0: The following program is sponsored by Tiptree Fruit Growers and Preservers. Hello, welcome to the latest podcast from World Radio Gardening. And it's off to Tiptree we go to see the latest developments. Ken Crowther has been catching up with Chris Newnham and looking at advanced technology.
1: I promise to come back to this new, exciting new development with me. I've got Chris Newnham, um, Farm Director. now. I'm standing here, last time I was here, it was nearly finished, it was not planted, but wow, are the
2: plants looking good? It's really exciting. It's a massive (laughs) transformation. Considering, you know, the quagmire that we were in only a couple of months ago, um, we we built this tunnel at completely the wrong time of year. Um, But, you know, we were determined we wanted to get something done. But uh, it's just, it's great to see it in in all its glory at this stage. So planted, uh, we planted about uh, six weeks ago now. So we've got the growth has just been staggering uh, over the intervening period. Um, and we've got the first flower on here, bees in.
1: Now, for anyone who hasn't heard what we're talking about, we need to describe what's going on, because what you've done is you've, well, you've at least doubled the amount of plants that you can put in a tunnel. But this tunnel isn't just an ordinary tunnel, is it?
2: No, it's not. I mean, it, It's uh, more it, like it, a it, greenhouse, is it? Isn't well, it? It, it is. I mean, it, 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 it's midway, I suppose, between the two. It's not heated, so it, it's, it's just heated by the sun. But actually, it's a completely closed environment. Um, It's not exposed to the vagaries of the element as as some of our uh, Spanish tunnels uh, or more traditional tunnels are. Um, And the great benefit of it is that we are absolutely maximizing the cropping area in here. We've got uh, an oscillating uh, trough growing system um, and we've got 100% of the area that's cropped.
1: So in fact there's only, I'm guessing, about half a metre, if not less, between each trough of
2: plant. Yeah, there is, but by by the time the can the canopy go up the, the, ca- the canopy fills out um, you, you're you looking down from above, it'll look like just a sea of green. Incredible. Um, and then the challenge is getting through to picket. And as you say, the whole thing oscillates. So every every alternative line either lifts or drops, uh, and you've got the ability to get through and to harvest your crop.
1: So you still walk through <laughs> and harvest as you would traditionally. Yep. Um, it, so it's just double. Is it doubling, or are you? Because you've got more plants in some troughs than others. So what, well, you, what are a, you doing? A,
2: a lot of experimentation happening there, happening here this year. It's the first time we've used this system. So. At worst, we will double our cropping area. Um, We normally work in a a planting density of about 50,000 plants per hectare. Um, At worst, we will have 100,000 plants per hectare because we're infilling the alternate rows. Um, But but at the front end of the tunnel, you can see where we've got uh, four times the the plant density a lot of plants <laughs> so an awful lot of plants looks okay at the moment but just very concerned as we as we get through towards harvest that actually it's going to be a little bit too dense so um we'll see you know the the, the only way we're going to find out is by trial and error
1: and of course we always <coughs> in gardens and everywhere you grow we always talk about a plant having to have air around it to stop yes. disease and botrytis yes. and yes. things like that don't yes.
2: we well and and that's that is that is a beauty. Beauty, particularly of these tunnels, is that unlike our Spanish tunnels, we've got vented roofs here, so we've got the ability to try and create air movement actually within the house itself. Um, And then, in terms of pest and disease control, as and when they vent, there's a there's an insect mesh, insect uh, netting, on the roof to stop ingress of pests. So we hope. We won't claim to be to be chemical free in here yet, but that is very much the direction the of aim. travel. Yes, it That's is. The aim.
1: Um, how do you get your <coughs> pollination? Do you have to import bees? Because we talked about the insects coming in and out. So how do you do that?
2: We have to we have to bring bees in. I hesitate to say we have to import bees. We, no, we, it's not we, import. <laughs> <but> you know <laughs> what I mean. No, because we we're using it, it's a it's a native bumblebee species that we're using at this time of year. Obviously, quite cool. So no no natural insect activity. Actually, they're going to struggle in here anyway because of all the insect netting. Um, so, we bring uh, a native bumblebee species in and that, that provides us with the pollination at this time of year.
1: Now, this tunnel obviously is much more controlled. It's, it's controlled by computer mainly, isn't it? It Rather is. Than people. Yeah,
2: it's all high-tech stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, you can never eliminate the people, can you? Because no. the people set up the parameters in the first place. The guys are, are in very... Close uh, contact with what's happening here. So an app on the iPhone that tells them, tell them, tells them exactly what the climatic conditions, what's happening. Oh, at that clever, particular it? point it's in time, clever, isn't it? Way too high tech for me.
1: Now, let's look at strawberries. <clears throat> Will it give you an earlier crop this tunnel than the other tunnels? Do you think?
2: Very definitely, yes. Um, w- slightly behind the game this year. We would like to ideally have have got some plants in in uh late january we didn't get this planted because because it is a new build until late february so we've probably lost uh three or four weeks of potential early cropping as a result of that but but nonetheless it is looking very exciting the rate of growth in here is is significantly greater than we're getting on our standard tunnels
1: so really and you know as a farmer which is what Wilkin does, does a lot. I mean, it's farming fresh food. Yep, isn't it? it is. The fresh fruit market has a higher price
2: early than later, and it, that's really it what it's about. It does. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 spreading the risk. What what you what you want to avoid at all costs. Yes, getting in early, and trying to achieve a premium price is very important. Although the premium that we used to see perhaps 10 years ago is massively eroded now. Um, But it's also about avoiding a massive glut of fruit through that kind of early June. Well, through June, essentially, through June and into early July.
1: And then, of course... The jam comes in because that's where you can use yes. the strawberry for yeah, the jam. Yeah, yeah. So in theory, there's no wastage.
2: Well, that's it. That's it. Little little scarlets get their foot in the door, and there's uh, there's no no turning back at that stage. So I suppose
1: the best time for me to come back is when the fruit's on the on on the strawberries, I would and think then we can so. really yeah. see what's going <laughs> Give on. Give it a
0: good go. Advanced technology at Tip Tree. Chris Newnham speaking to Ken Crowther. Well, this advanced technology, according to Tom Cole from Rittle College, is really called an oscillating strawberry bench system. Well, I'll bow to his greater knowledge. Ken has been catching up with him.
3: Yeah, I've got some Royal Horticultural Society students. They're in there um, sort of last year with me on a Level 3 practical course. And um, we've done two trips, really. One, we went to Wilkin & Sons, uh, the good old people at Tiptree. Oh, the major jabs, yeah. And we had a brilliant tour by Andrei Ivanov. And he gave us an absolutely amazing tour of did you get the to fruit area. Their,
1: did you get to see their new bubble house? Bubble
3: house? The new you mean you mean the oscillating strawberry bench system? Yeah, is that
1: not fantastic? Which is the
3: only one in the UK, I Are believe. Sure? Uh, yeah, we, they were actually constructing at the time, and it's just phenomenal, really. It's a big leap ahead of normal sort of tabletop strawberries, where you have your strawberries growing in and basically a, a trough at waist height, so it's easy for you to harvest, but equally it cuts down on botrytis, the grey mould. Now you've got them at the same height, but you've got others a couple of metres up higher. And they just change them, alternate them. It's incredible. just an amazing way of growing things. All computer controlled. Absolutely controlled. And um, they were reckoning they, it's three times the volume they're going to produce in a similar sort of space. It's just amazing. What, uh, other, what <coughs> other things really impressed you about the farm? Because it, it is a very, in so many ways, you've you've gone there to the very modern. But also, it's very traditional as well, isn't it? Well, there's no mechanical harvesting at all. It's all manually harvested. So you get a, a massive influx of uh, people coming in during the harvest period. Um, it was good to see um, uh, cherries. Uh, And cherry trees growing on a slightly nice, gentle slope, so the air moves through and past them. Uh, And then polytunnels, which aren't clad at the moment, but can be clad to protect them later in the year. Uh, We got involved in pruning. And interestingly, we were pruning stone fruits, and we were pruning them quite early. They're experimenting with their pruning at the moment. But one thing I did take away was uh, you cut, although we're told to cut with a slightly sloping cut away from a bud, and maybe just a couple of mil or half a centimetre above. They cut very close to the bud, but a nice gentle slope, very, very little dieback at all. So I've absolutely changed my pruning. And we are also pruning for commercial reasons, which is quite different to pruning in a garden situation. In garden situation, you do all your 3Ds, dead, diseased, and damaged, take all the suckers out, look at the crossing branches, keep an open-centred plant, and then just shape. Commercially, you don't even worry about the shape. It's about, does that branch shadow the ones below it? If it's laden with fruit, does it hurt the fruit below it? And so the shapes of the plants are all over the place. But it was quite an amazing thing, really.
1: And how about your other trip, briefly?
3: Went to Anglesey Abbey. First time I've ever, ever been there. Why I didn't go there before, I don't know. But uh, the, the winter garden was phenomenal. That what was, sort of plants have they got in there? Well, you've got all forms of sort of dogwoods, willows. You've got some lovely snake-barked barked uh, maples. Uh, you've also got um, oh, some lovely jackmontei birch, uh, which has got another 15 years to go, but they're already planning ahead. They planted another grove of Monti and underplanted them so that in 15 years' time, they've got that continuity. Which is
1: what you should do in a garden.
3: Which is, yeah, it's really, really good. And they've also replaced all their roses. And um, it's <clears throat> there's a bit of a challenge to the eye when you go into the rose border. You think everything is, every bed is the same, but actually there's a perspective thing going on where the further you go away, the beds get slightly smaller. Um, so they're all being replaced by David Austin roses, lovely clean roses they've got there. Um, but the, the winter garden, I cannot stress, you've got to go there. You must go there, December, January or February. It, that is the best time to go.
0: There you go. Make a note in your diary. That was Tom Cole from Rittle College. Ken Crowther catching up with him. Hello. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from World Radio Gardening. Sponsored by Wilkin & Sons. Established in 1885. And it's back to Tip we go, out in the fields with Chris Newnham once again.
1: Now, Chris, we've come round to, well... I was going to say it's very pretty isn't it because the apricots are all in
2: flower aren't they? Well it's be- best time of year to come and look at an orchard I reckon I mean if we we're in Japan we'd really be making. Uh... <laughs> You'd be able to sell tickets for the for visitors. I mean, we would we would. In fact there's a thought for the future um, but seriously
1: um, you're very dependent on the weather aren't you because an apricot comes into flower quite early. Yes. We're not as a british grower and gardener you've got to say well we're not it's not foolproof we're not going to get any more frost is it
2: never is, no, is abso- it a- a- absolutely not we we run a hell of a risk and particularly with something like apricots apricots relatively new well on a commercial scale relatively new to this country people have had them in their gardens i think for a long time um but that is very much the risk that we run that they, they flower uh, just that much earlier than you know even our cherries um which are, will be uh, beautiful in another week's time but the apricots have stolen a march on them and then the risk that we run is that yeah, if we catch a few frosts then we'll we'll lose the crop so as a rule of thumb they 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 say two years and ten you'll get a decent crop three years and ten you'll get nothing and five years and ten you'll probably get something in between but we have a weather
1: change which we can't deny can we i mean you know people who work in the outside we can't pretend that the weather is changing but I know that doesn't rule it out. Do you think that rule will
2: slowly change, or do you still think you'll go with it? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me in twenty years' time when I've got a bit more experience That's with them. That's right.
1: <laughs> but um, really, looking at the bloom, you could could get a really good crop, couldn't you?
2: Well, it's looking it's looking pretty okay. exciting at the moment. Um, and then you know the challenge becomes as they develop is is finding a, a suitable home for them in due course. Because, But English-grown English apricots
1: are still very, very popular, aren't they?
2: They are, but there's been an awful lot of them planted in recent <laughs> years. So we thought we were a reasonably early adopter, but then there were lots of others who Do were, were early adopters as well. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're still a, a relatively easy sell. But um, Would it ever pay you to tunnel?
1: apricots or not, like you have the cherries. I mean I know the cherries are t- tunneled for a different reason aren't
2: they? Would it pay to ever tunnel apricot? It, it could do. I mean we've only got a tiny area and we're, we're really just dipping our toe in the water at this stage. With the cherries we've got a much bigger area and of course the birds have got a real taste for cherries so there's another reason for, for ensuring that they're well covered and well netted in particular. So really this,
1: this area is quite relatively, I couldn't say it's quite new, because I'm just trying to think, how how long have they been in? Because well, they were planted at a similar time, weren't they, this, the cherry and the, the
2: This will be, a, I think this is going to be their fourth harvest. So the It for, should the, be the the good for
1: both crops then, really. Yes, it should. It should. How much feeding goes into these?
2: Uh, very little. I mean, there's some. You can see that they are trickle irrigated, as, as is... Everything that we do nowadays, um, but it's fairly light touch comparatively. We, we we we're not we're not on top of them every single day,
1: so it's just keeping an eye on them. Any do, do you get any disease problems with the apricots outside at all? Not really. We
2: haven't so far. No, I mean they've they've been re- reasonably hardy, reasonably tolerant. Um, they've had, as you can see, they've had a fairly extensive Prude.
1: hair haircut in the last uh, in the last month or so I was going to say that must take a bit of time working their way through
2: yeah it does the, the, these these are particularly prolific the cherries a little bit further down are a much lighter canopy and much more straightforward to prune these are quite a vigorous tree. And as you can see, uh, okay. need, need need quite a lot of attention because
1: you've got to keep the height down for the pickers, haven't you? You do, yes. You don't no want ladder to be, work anymore.
2: Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you, you you want to keep it as manageable as you possibly can, and keeping the 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 the, the growth as fresh as you can. Um, yeah, I mean, even looking at them now, I'm thinking that you know the canopy that's developing is quite is becoming quite thick. It
1: is, so. isn't it? And you have a bit of help, I believe, sometimes. Well we've
2: <laughs> with the pruning. <laughs> we, we, we've drafted in some reinforcements this year. No, we've we've had a good team that have pitched up from Rittle. I think they were looking to get a bit of experience uh, on pruning fruit trees and they've come along and helped us for an afternoon
1: because you've got a nice link with rittle haven't you always have had haven't you
2: yes we have we 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 do quite a lot of work with with them they do a great job down there we've done quite a lot of work with them on on all sorts of different levels
1: and the the important thing is looking at from a student angle you know a student's learning about gardening and horticulture generally but we need people to come into this industry don't we because it's a developing industry that's going to be it's modernizing, it's not as it used to be and we do
2: need new people within it, yeah, we, don't we? we? We desperately need people coming through. There There isn't the pipeline that was once there with kind of people coming out of colleges with the basic skills and on how to manage fruit farms generally, you know, in the, in the wider sense, not just pruning in, in orchards and so on. Um, and that's been a problem. That's been a real problem in recent years.
1: And that's why you're encouraging people to get involved. Well, well
2: right? we're trying to, and there are gr- there are just such great opportunities. You know, the, the the fruit industry as a whole has been a great success in recent years. Um, if you look at the growth in the berry sector in particular that's been phenomenal you know it's it, it's i don't know what it is it could be 10 times what it was 20 years ago it's grown phenomenally and we but we need the skill set to support that and as you say as well it's becoming more and more high tech the whole time so it's not you know it's not a state industry to be involved with
0: ken crowther speaking with chris newnham and you've got to look forward we're looking forward to the next podcast here from world radio gardening i hope you enjoy our programs visit our website regularly for an update this program was sponsored by tiptree fruit growers and preservers established in 1885